What do we do when there's such complex scientific topics in the health community that are really, really important for us and have real implications like inflammation, amino acids, depression, brain fog, anxiety? How do you fix all that? And how do you break it down into simple terms so you can actually understand how? What about free radicals, oxidative stress? Well, today on the show, we got my man Dan Kalish, Dr. Dan Kalish, I should say, to simplify some of the most complex scientific topics and uh, give us some actionable steps we can take to doing so and curing them. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Clark, host of the PaleoX Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, for this week's show with, yes, Dr. Dan Kalish. I am so excited for this one. Before we dive into it, a couple announcements. The first, if you want all our shows, head over to paleohacks.com. That has tons of our archives uh, with like 100 plus shows now, a couple hundred hours of content over there. Work your way through that. It's a blast getting your feedback on that as well. Um, I would start actually with last week's show on... Kelly Starrett, Becoming the Supple Leopard on Mobility. And then if you do like this show, head, check out uh, The Walls Protocol with Terry Walls. I think that was maybe a year ago. Uh, that was a great show as well on this subject. If you want to get a hold of me, I'm on all the social platforms at Clark Dangerous. That's O-U-S. And then if you go to my website, ClarkDanger.com, put in your email, you'll get the free 11 questions change your life forever. And these are the best 11 questions I've done with coaching clients or on myself or just through the years that make a really big impact change and can influence your life for the better. It's really quick. It's free. Um, so that's over there at ClarkDanger.com. All right. You ready for the show? I'm ready for you to hear it. Let's go hear what Dr. Dan Kalish has to say. My next guest developed his own model of functional medicine founded over 20 years ago And uh, he's worked with over 8,000 patients in his private practice, and he's certified over 700 practitioners to do the same worldwide. Today with us, returning back to the stage, is Dr. Dan Kalish. Thank you for having me back. Appreciate it. We were talking before the call. It's been been three years. That's a long time. I know. It flies by, doesn't it? Just like, whoosh. I I think you were guest number three, so... Way back in the day. And um, right. it's kind of funny, full circle on that. Uh, Chris Kelly was a guest we had on, and he said that he got into, he's doing his own functional medicine stuff now and has his own podcast. And he said he got into it uh, because he heard the first show we did like three years ago in 2012 or something. Oh, that's interesting how it comes around, isn't it? Yeah. And he yeah. ended up taking my training program too and uh, kind of applying it to athletes in a really great way. He didn't flunk out of it? He, he made it through? No. As a matter of fact, he was one of those students who was like, oh my God, he's going to keep asking questions. He's super smart. <laughs> like super smart guy, right? Yeah. 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 He, was, he was great on the show. He was talking about his BMX and athletic uh, performance and testing and all that. Um, so good stuff. But yeah. I, I love the last show we did. And you set it up. You went into your backstory. Um, uh, just for the people who maybe you know three years ago it was a long time, set it up for them. How did you get to to where you are now, working with eight thousand people and training seven hundred practitioners in your Kalish method? Yeah, that's a very good question. You know, I had a personal health crisis of my own when I was living in Thailand. I picked up a parasite and um, mm-hmm. was in a two years living in a monastery in Thailand. Came back to the states after that and was really quite sick what we would now call chronic fatigue, you know, but this is a long time ago. This is like, mm. I hate to say it, it was probably in the eighties, you know? And, um, I just couldn't figure out how to get better. Couldn't figure out what to do and started to pursue this thing called functional medicine as a patient basically. And once I got my fatigue problem solved, I was like, Hey, this could be a good job. You know, maybe I should get into doing this for other people because I felt frustrated that, all my regular doctors were like, oh, I don't really know what's wrong. And, you know, I'm lying on the couch every afternoon, unable to get up. And I knew that I was sick. So anyways, that was kind of my inspiration. And since those last 25 years, you know, it's been really a, a wonderful ride. And we're seeing functional medicine now coming into its full bloom. I was just at a conference on Monday night. Cleveland Clinic is rocking and rolling with their functional medicine department. They're doubling the size of it. They ran out of space. They got a long, long waiting list. There's other major university centers starting to get involved, and 
it's gonna you know enter the mainstream now. But you were doing it before it was cool, right? I was doing it way before it was cool. Yeah. Yes, and I'm gonna take full credit for that because I, I as a matter of fact, you know, it's kind of funny because I was doing gluten free diets. Yeah. 25 years ago, and people look at you like, well, that's gluten. And now, you know, it's almost, uh, you know, I get, I was at a restaurant in Arizona recently, and this waitress comes up to us, and she started to lecture me. It's like this 20 year old waitress lecturing me about their gluten free menu. And I was like, oh, lady, you don't even know. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's great to see. It's great to see this next generation coming in, you know? Yeah, gluten free cupcakes at Trader Joe's, man. That's my downfall right there, (laughs) sitting right there. Um, So last time you were on the show, you brought up and categorized. Every single health problem people are really having um, down into five areas on your Kalish Method book. And these were fat, fatigue, depressed, sex hormones, and digestion. And pretty much all our health issues can be categorized into any one of those. Um, and then once we categorize it, we can kind of decide what we need to do, what protocol we need to, we need to do specifically for that. Is that kind of how set it up? Uh, not to put words in your mouth, but yeah, I mean, well, when we did it, we did an analysis about 15 years ago. Like, what are the top complaints? Like, what am I actually doing? What are people complaining about when they're coming in as new patients? And it was in this order: fat, fatigue, depressed, sex hormone imbalances, and digestive problems. And just 95% of my patients were complaining about one or all five of those problems in some cases. And, you know, the funny thing about functional medicine is that we're not necessarily, we don't have specific treatments that just make people lose weight and then you don't get healthy in any other way. And we don't have treatments that just fix your sex drive, but then leave everything else alone, right? We're always treating the whole person. But from a patient's perspective, these are the five things that we hear most people you know, complaining about. And those are the things that people want to have fixed. So I think it's important to have the patient priority, you know, really clear. And then behind the scenes, like we're going to talk about later today, you can get into the science behind it and how all these corrections are actually made. Yeah. And so, um, you know, with some of those health complaints like fatigue or depression and digestion or sex hormones, um, fat might be a little obvious, but what you do testing, that's your big thing with functional medicine. You know, don't, don't guess test. Um, you're a big fan of testing from what I remember, correct? Oh, absolutely. Uh, my whole career is basically founded on understanding what tests to run and how to interpret them to design programs. Okay. And um, so the person listening at home, if they're maybe just eating clean or um, they're trying to follow some elimination diet or maybe a paleo diet or a low-carb diet or anything like that, um, but they've never done any testing, um, they might be a little intimidated about testing, um, what would you kind of say to that person are the, the real benefits of testing? Well, you know, it's like taking an x-ray but of your brain or of your hormone systems. So you might, I don't know, hit your toe really bad or crash on a bicycle or something, and you're wondering, ah, did I break it? I don't know. And you figure it out by taking an x-ray, and it gives you a definitive, clear picture of exactly what's wrong. And that's how I see functional medicine lab work, is it lets you know, is this in my head? Is there like a clear biochemical reason why there's a problem. And when, in this essence, it's like a biochemistry version of an x-ray where you get a lab report back and you can see exactly what's happening with that hormone or with this uh, oxidative stress marker or nutrient marker, whatever it is. And people can't intuit this stuff very well. It's really hard to know if you have oxidative stress or a liver detox problem. I mean, you feel crappy in the same way regardless, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that's the big problem okay. is that the symptoms don't match the problem. Right? It's not a one-to-one connection like that. So looking at the big five um, health problems, the fat, fatigue, depressed, sex hormones, and digestion, I guess the one that stands out is uh, fatigue. We don't really talk too much about that on this call. Um, I know they kind of all overlap and stuff, but before you know, before I answer this next or ask this next question, I'm going to take some yeah. coffee. I don't know if this is sacrilegious um, for fatigue, but why, why are people so tired? Why is fatigue such a major issue for a lot of people out there? Yeah, I, in, in my practice now, I break it down to three categories, and I find 
any one of these three or all three of these can be in play. So there could be a hormonal reason, hormonal downregulation why you're tired. Could be cortisol, could be thyroid hormones. For women, it could be estrogen or progesterone. So you can have hormone problems. Mm -hmm. You can have problems with your brain, neurotransmitter-related issues. The brain is inflamed, the the brain is under stress, and you have problems like with dopamine that would make people very tired. And then the third category, and this is like I think the most mysterious and the least talked about and probably least understood by doctors and patients alike is mitochondrial energy problems, which, which simply means that you're not making energy inside the cells appropriately. Hmm. You're not making enough ATP or cellular energy. And so, of course, you're tired because it's like a, the gasoline's run out of the car, right? You just don't have enough fuel to push yourself forward. Okay. So that was hormones. Uh was the second one stress and then no so hormones uh-huh. brain 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 and or then, neurotransmitters and then mitochondrial energy okay. okay and you could have you could have all three of these you could have a hormone imbalance a brain problem and a mitochondrial energy issue all at the same time some people do what are some of the major causes of that like how do how do people get either hormone uh, dysregulation or imbalance or mitochondria dysfunction I know for you you had a parasite you said in Thailand. Right. Um, so here's this is where functional medicine gets complicated because everything can cause everything. And so like, for example, a parasitic infection or a food reaction like gluten intolerance, that could cause a hormone issue uh-huh. or, or a brain issue or it could definitely cause a mitochondrial energy problem. So it depends, I think, on each individual and what system in their body is slightly weak or prone to collapsing first. So in other words, if you have, let's say you eat too much sugar, drink too much alcohol, and don't get enough sleep, that could affect your hormonal system primarily, or your brain primarily, or your mitochondrial energy primarily. And that's why we have to do the labs, because you can't tell, just because someone's tired or overweight, which of these different systems has been damaged the most, and from that determine, determine you know, what system do you want to correct initially. Okay. And so that's where the testing comes in to test, you know, fatigue is a big, broad term. And that's why when you look at like symptoms of fatigue on a WebMD, you're like going through everything from scraped your knee and you need to recover because your body's inflamed to like, I think I'm pregnant. And, right. and it's just everything on there. So what you're saying is I test to identify which one of the three it is and start doing protocols around that. Yeah, and usually one will stand out. You know, in my my doctor training program yesterday morning, we had a perfect example of this where we tested the adrenals and they were actually okay. And you're thinking, well, that's strange. This person's so tired. Mm -hmm. And then we looked at the mitochondrial energy markers. And on these labs, there's like 14 of these markers that relate to this. 11 of them were damaged. Hmm. So, I mean, it was just like a bloodbath on the energy side. And the adrenals were fine. So that was a pretty easy determination to realize, oh, this is about mitochondrial energy, it's not about the adrenal glands. So with the mitochondrial energy, um, that's a fascinating subject. And we had Terry Walls on here talking about the Walls protocol and upgrading your mitochondria. Um, but, but set it up for people at home who this is their first time hearing about mitochondria. Um, kind of give us an overview of, of what they are and what they do. Yeah, it's a strange, strange history, right? Because yeah. mitochondria originally were bacteria, that were outside of our bodies, they're only inherited from the mother's side. Hmm. Even stranger too. All your mitochondria are 100% related to your mom. You have no mitochondrial DNA from your dad. And eventually over time, the human body, or I should say uh, animals in general, this goes way, way back obviously, were rather than allowing these independent bacteria to operate on their own, kind of co-opt them and brought them into the cells and you know now we have what's called a mitochondria, but that's their original origins if you trace it back gazillions of years. So they're really unique structures, and um, the easiest way to think about it is just like with an automobile that has an engine. You know, they're the engine of the cell. They're fueling the cell. They're using carbs, proteins, and fat to create energy inside the cell. And if they're working, everything's running well, and you can detox, you can think, you can run up and down the stairs, you can do things. And if the mitochondria become damaged, then you start to get collapse of all kinds of different body systems. For example, mitochondria run liver detox capacity. So you could get toxic because your mitochondria aren't working well. 
Um, of course, they control our sense of physical energy. So you see this a lot with athletes that they burn out their mitochondria. They're just you know, exerting so much right. that they become fatigued because of that. Um, and then you can see it happening. It could even be like related to diet and whatnot. So the mitochondria are very delicate structures hmm. given their job, and they're very easily damaged. So uh, I'm curious then, what are some more things that happen when a mitochondria is not functioning fully? Like how do they get messed up? You mentioned athletes burning themselves out or diet. Um, what are some common ways you see in your practice that this happens? Yeah, the, the bigger picture on that is, you know, you can imagine this structure. It's a physical structure. I mean, it's tiny. But it's inside your cell. I think about it like, um, like if you ever see Star Wars or Star Trek, mm-hmm. when they're always, there's always a scene in the movie where there's a ship that you have to blow up and they have to shoot a bunch of missiles into it and eventually it blows up, right? Huh. So the, mito- the mitochondria is like that. It's like a spaceship, but tiny. And it's floating around in your cell. And the missiles that could potentially hit it are called free radicals. Okay, and the other term that we use for free radicals is called oxidative stress. So if you have a lot of oxidative stress, you have a lot of free radicals. And think of free radicals as like a a spark that's getting thrown out of a fire or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so these sparks or missiles hit the very delicate mitochondria and destroy it or damage it. And so the more oxidative stress you have or the more free radicals you have, the more potential mitochondrial energy problems you're going to end up with. And... um, we get oxidative stress from all kinds of different things. Um, the process of oxidation is like when you cut an apple in half and it starts to turn brown, right? Something right. that's basically being destroyed. And so oxidation can happen because you're toxic, because you have a parasitic infection. Um, if you're stressed enough, emotionally stressed enough, you can mm-hmm. start to get a lot of oxidative stress. And so, and how do we prevent oxidative stress? Basically, people use antioxidants to act as a shield or like a protective layer around the spaceship to prevent free radicals from getting in and hitting it. So antioxidants are our defense system, our protection against this damage that can occur. And we get our antioxidants from food, basically. Okay, so it sounds like the free radicals are the, f- the first mover of this cascade of how mitochondria get um, messed up. I don't know a better term yes. for that. Yes, exactly. So we need to focus on the free radicals. And if we do uh, add antioxidants or free radicals or whatever, then the mitochondria theoretically should be functioning at full capacity. Correct. So the more either you can protect them with the antioxidants Uh or you can reduce the free radical damage by things like you know, detoxifying, clearing up your gut, all that kind of stuff. Okay. But, but antioxidants primarily are, in, are from plants. This is where we get them. I mean, you can, get, you can buy them in a supplement form, but not, really... Not red wine? Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's a slippery one. Red wine has a lot of antioxidants. And if you live in France, I'm sure that works really well. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't work outside of France, though, and no one can understand why. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, okay, going, so it sounds like we have two things. We have the, what you mentioned, we have reducing the free radical load and boosting the antioxidant road. Um, in your opinion, saying we need to do both, but what one is easier to do or we need to focus more on? Well, one is cheap and probably more effective, which is getting a lot of antioxidants from your food. Okay. So this simply means eating a wide variety of vegetables with every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, veggies. Hmm. Not just vegetables, you can add other things, but every meal that you have should have some vegetables. And if you can't deal with vegetables in the morning, just repulse you for some reason, you can have some fruit that has a lot of antioxidants, like melon or blueberries or something like that. But veggies are better, veggies with every meal, basically. Okay. That's where the antioxidants come from, right? The plants grow antioxidants to protect themselves hmm. from oxidative stress. I mean, think about it. if you're a plant, you're outside pretty much all the time exposed to the ionizing radiation of the sun. And so plants develop pigments, which we see as colors. And those pigments are the actual physical antioxidants. They're, they're not making these antioxidants to help us out. They're trying to survive their own little battle against the sun. And all we have to do is come along, grab the plant, kill it, eat it, and we get all that antioxidant protection that it grew. Huh. That's fascinating. Yeah. Isn't that uh, cool? Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. And that's why they say, you know, eat a wide range of colors, the, the, the color diet, or where you're supposed to be eating colors with every meal. Um, have you heard anything about like phytonutrients? Is that what they're called? The, yeah, that uh, would be a spinoff of phytonutrients. Yeah. Okay. Because I know phytonutrients are getting a lot of uh, research because there's a lot of things we don't even know about what certain phytonutrients do, or we're still discovering them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have a general sense of these vitamins and minerals, but there's 
more elements in the plants that we don't know most likely than the ones that we understand. Yeah. So going back to the antioxidant and free radical thing, um, focusing on this so we can get our mitochondria upregulated so we can ultimately have more energy. Um, can you see this from from like a test if you're testing for free radicals or uh, or mitochondria function? Are there tests out there that can tell us either you have too many free radicals or not enough antioxidants or what? Do you, how do you figure that out? Yeah, so this is why I'm so excited about the subject because – there's a lab test. I've been running these for 25 years. But in all honesty, I just started to understand them because they're pretty complicated. And it's called an organic acids profile. Uh-huh. It's done from a urine sample. And most alternative integrative doctors have heard of these, but not too many know how to interpret them because they're really complicated. <laughs> Basically, it takes years to understand. But simply put, you can measure antioxidant levels or what we call oxidative stress very accurately with this test. So you can see, does the person have adequate defense and protection for the mitochondria or not? And if they don't, then of course we recommend diet changes with more antioxidants along with supplements as appropriate. And then the same organic acids profiles measure the sources of free radicals, which are generally from two main areas. One is that they come from digestive problems, and the others, they come from some kind of toxin or toxin exposure that's usually more connected to the liver. So either digestive problems in your gut or toxins, heavy metals, chemicals, et cetera, in the liver. And this test is able to measure both gut function and the microbiome in the gut, uh-huh. looking at bacteria and yeast overgrowth through the urine sample, as well as looking at liver detox pathways to let you know if the person's toxic or not. Yeah, it sounds really complicated. Um. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. The way that the lab is taught usually is even more confusing. And anyways, it takes a long time to figure this out. Let me put it that way. Which sure. is why I, that's why I have a doctor training program because you, you could stumble around for 20, 25 years and try to put this together yourself or, you know, you, you yeah. can take a class. Yeah, it's like you get all the raw data, but how do you, how do you analyze it? That's another skill. Exactly. So with, um, I know last time on the call, you were talking about how the kidneys mirror what's going on in the brain and not to get too far removed from the mitochondria free radical topic we're talking about now. Um, but does that tie into it at all with what we're talking about with like urine analysis tests and, and whatnot? Well, that's, it's related. So think about it this way. When, when we say oxidative stress, or free radicals, you could actually just substitute the term inflammation right there. Okay. Because that's what oxidative stress causes. It causes an inflammatory process. Hmm. And, and the problem is, again, in functional medicine, everything causes everything because inflammation also leads to oxidative stress, right? These two things are connected. So when you have a lot of oxidative stress or tissue damage, your brain is going to be impacted as profoundly as any other part of the body. And what we know now, kind of apropos of what you're asking, is that when we're inflamed chronically, the body makes these things called cytokines. And they're our way of trying to deal with the inflammation. And those cytokines are actually produced from the exact same amino acids that we make our brain chemicals like serotonin and dopamine from. Hmm. So if you, if you imagine you have a thousand units of tyrosine in the body. Yeah. And you could make a thousand units of dopamine so you can think well and be clear in your thoughts and be happy basically and not anxious. But if you're inflamed, those thousand units of tyrosine are going to go towards cytokine production and you'll have a decrease in your ability to make dopamine. So there's a direct connection between the brain and inflammation or the brain and oxidative stress. That's really cool how you explained it. So the cytokines require um, the same amino acids that are brain feel-good chemicals or neurotransmitters require. And so when we're more inflamed, we need more cytokines. And so yes. they, they essentially suck the energy. They siphon the amino acids away from our feel-good chemicals and deal with the inflammation because that's a more pressing issue. Exactly. And this is not a design flaw. This is a brilliant design in that, like you just said, if you're sick and inflamed, mm-hmm. you don't feel great. Your body's got a limited amount of resources, so it's going to take those amino acids and use them to deal with the inflammation and oxidative stress problems and figure, hey, we'll generate some brain chemicals later on, but for now, I'm going to leave this person anxious, depressed, craving food, tired all the time, 
And that's okay because we got something more urgent to deal with. And the, the kicker on all this is that the organic acids profile has three different markers that measure whether this cytokine slash inflammatory brain depletion thing is happening or not. You just see it on the lab. Hmm. It's incredible technology most people don't know about. Wow, that's amazing. That's really cool about uh, the amino acids going to the cytokines. That makes a lot of sense because if you have $100 and you fill up your tank of gas with 40 of it, well, now you got 60. And if you buy your food, okay, now you got grocery bills, so that's another 40. Um, Then you got to pay rent, that's another, and you have nothing left to go out and have a good time. That's a terrible analogy. But you you understand? No, you're you're, a perfect analogy because you're basically burning through your resources for survival stuff. Yeah. And then you don't have yeah, it's that's a perfect analogy. And that's the thing is that this is the most disturbing thing to me. I talk to patients every day, you know, and the thing is you can't tell as a human being when this is happening. Hmm. You feel anxious, depressed, or tired all the time, but there's no meter in there that goes, Oh, your cytokines are up and so your brain chemicals are down. That's why you feel so bad. So people internalize this. They think I'm depressed or I'm just tired all the time or I'm anxious. And they, I don't know if they blame themselves, but they feel like it's a, uh, they don't understand it's just a biochemical imbalance that's, that can be fixed. I mean, that, that to me is a tragedy in all this. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so if the first step is testing, let's just say they go through the tests and this is the issue. They know for sure this is the problem. Of why maybe they're depressed or their mitochondria are dysregulated or anything. Um, how, what are some of the steps you recommend to uh, cure this? So basically, we um, always start with lifestyle changes first because there's no point in somebody taking a ton of antioxidant supplements if they're not eating vegetables. With every meal, right? So while we start with lifestyle, de-stressing people, getting them to meditate, exercise, eat well, get to bed on time, all that kind of stuff. That has to be the foundation because you don't want to supplement somebody and make them feel better if they're not willing to you know, change their lifestyle, which is really at the root of all these problems anyways, right? Yeah. And then we start to look at the lab-based factors, like are they toxic and can, do we have to detoxify the person, get the toxins out? Do they have a, a microbiome imbalance? You know, is their gut full of bad bacteria and yeast organisms, which we see on the same test? We need to flush out those bad bugs, put the good ones back in. So we try to combine the lifestyle changes with the lab-based treatments. But basically, it boils down to, on the lab side, three big variables, which is handling stress, fixing the gut, and getting all the toxins and detox systems working properly. Okay. Um, And so, with kind of like the lifestyle changes, let's say someone's going to bed on time, um, they're reducing their stress, they're doing all that, what are kind of some maybe fun hacks so to speak, that they can add into their lifestyle to either prevent or reduce this inflammation or upregulate the mitochondria. Um, anything that you recommend that comes to mind? Oh, absolutely. You know, there's a book, a really great book called The Blue Zones. And it's, a, it's a, actually more than just a book. I mean, it's a book, but it's a whole project that the National Geographic put together where they put together this research team to find where in the world people live to be over 100 years of age. Hmm. Yeah. And we're still fit and happening and healthy. And um, one of the commonalities, of course, these people all had good community interactions. They had really clean diets and all this kind of stuff. But one of the commonalities that I noticed is that each one of these communities that lived so long and did so well had a intuitive way they built into their eating and herb taking structure that they really focused on anti-inflammatories. Hmm. So you can do this with turmeric or curcumin, you can do this, the Sardinian, the people that live in Sardinia, they do it with this herb called mastica. Hmm. There's many different ways that you can take plants in that have a really strong anti-inflammatory effect. Probably the safest, I would say probably the most well-studied and safest would be turmeric or its derivatives like curcumin. Where And you can, obviously you can do turmeric every day in your food or you can take it in a pill form and that acts as a really potent anti-inflammatory and has antioxidant properties as well. And basically, it's a spice, right? It's not um, addictive or dangerous or 
turmeric has never hurt anyone, you know. Yeah. It's a completely safe thing to do. So I think when people are doing home treatments and they're not being monitored by a doctor, it's really good to stick with things that are time-tested that you know aren't going to cause a problem and not to go off the reservation and high-dose yourself on a bunch of iodine or something that, you know, could be, you know, potentially dangerous. Like last time you were on the show, we were talking about the 5-HTP tyrosine trade-off and that someone here in this show, it could be dangerous if they go out and say, okay, I got to start taking 3,000 milligrams of tyrosine because then that could throw off other things. And it's always that trade-off or someone hears about copper or magnesium and zinc and they take one of them and it throws the others off. So what I'm hearing with you is that some of these whole foods or spices or herbs like uh, turmeric, which has curcumin in it, is a safer way to do this because it's got the complete package built in. Yeah, exactly. You can never go wrong. And in fact, a lot of these complete packages, as you said, are really powerful. It's not that they're not powerful. It's just that huh. they're powerful and safe. Yeah. I, I know curcumin, I was researching it, um, the active ingredient in turmeric has like some of the most backed scientific clinical mm-hmm. studies in uh, cancer prevention and all these other. It's one of the most studied herbs out there. Um, curcumin is the active ingredient in turmeric, right? That is correct, yeah. Okay. And you can buy it. So like a lot of the supplement companies now make it in like a kind of super concentrated, activated form. So rather than doing spoonfuls of turmeric yeah. herb every day, you're Stain just taking, your shirt. Yeah. yeah, you're taking a little capsule basically. It's more realistic. Oh, cool, cool. And um, do you have a favorite supplement that you use or recommend to people out there with uh, turmeric or curcumin? Well, I think any of the top company lines are good. You know, the ones that sell through physicians typically. There's uh, Designs for Health is my favorite. Uh, Thorn Research is good. Douglas Labs. Orthomolecular is a well-known one. Metagenics is a good company. You know, there's a good dozen companies that sell through physicians that tend to have, not tend to have, but very strictly maintain super high quality standards. Um, and I think if you're sticking with those brands, you're in good shape. Okay. Um, so uh, how much would you do if you're trying to upregulate your mitochondria or just re- let's reduce inflammation? What would you recommend? Well, I mean, you want to start with the dietary factors that we talked about. And if you want to be kind of uh, extra careful on the antioxidants and you don't want to take a ton of supplements, you can also go for vegetable juicing. Hmm. I mean, that's a time-tested and safe and great way to get tons of antioxidants. So, I mean, and I do vegetable juicing frequently, go to the farmer's market. I mean, you can get a lot of vegetables into a glass of juice that are, you know, such a large volume, you'd never be able to actually eat them, you know, that yeah. amount, whether it's beets or carrots or the greafy lean ve- uh, green leafy vegetables, all that kind of stuff. So that's a really great way to set um, almost kind of like a multivitamin, but in a liquid right from the farmer's market, you know, if you want to really crank your antioxidants up. And then... Um, and like you mentioned earlier, there's these phyto, there's things that are happening that we don't understand yet, right? So if you try to just reduce it to supplements, I think you're getting part of the story. But if you're using whole foods and you're juicing them, for example, with vegetable juice, you're getting every single nutrient, including the bulk of the ones that we don't really understand yet exactly yeah. how, how they exist or work. So I think that's why that technique is probably uh, superior. It's hard, though, to sell, like, eat your vegetables. It's not as sexy as, like, hey, we got a formulated, crafted <laughs> supplement blend that's going to upregulate mitochondria. And that's maybe why supplements are a billion-dollar growing industry. Um, I mean, I sell a lot of supplements. Right. You know, that is a big part of my business. I'm not against doing that. But I... D- I I won't sell supplements to someone unless they're willing to make the lifestyle changes too. Because otherwise you just get addicted to the supplement effect. Yeah. I mean, these things really work. It's not a joke. Like turmeric will take your inflammation down and make your joint pain go away. That's not a joke. Huh. But if, if you're doing that and you're having you know, chocolate chip cookies every night by the bag, what's the point? I right. mean, that's not really us doing a, a patient a service, you know? Sure, sure. Um, so with with turmeric, curcumin, and the vegetable juice we talked about, what others are your go-tos uh, for reducing inflammation? You got any other hacks or tips? Yeah, I'm thinking on the super safe side, vitamin C. Hmm. You know, vitamin C with bioflavonoids. Pretty, pretty inexpensive. It's not particularly complicated to take. If you take too much of it, you get a bit of loose stool and diarrhea, and you can just back off. 
and um, it's water soluble. You know, it's it's pretty much it's not exactly completely risk free, but very low risk and easy to get your hands on. So vitamin C is a big one. Uh, how would someone go about adding that into their diet? Well, you can take vitamin C, I think, safely anywhere from 2,000 milligrams a day up to as much, uh, if you're very stressed, uh, as much as 5,000 milligrams a day max. Hmm. Okay. And that's, um, that's additional to your proper nutrition, diet, lifestyle? Exactly. Yeah. And that's a really powerful antioxidant, time-tested. Again, I mentioned you know, Linus Pauling, uh, sort of the grandfather of vitamin C research, but um, it's definitely a good way to go. Okay. And loose stools, what they should look for if they're taking too much? Exactly. Yeah. And make sure that you get vitamin C with bioflavonoids. You don't want to get it by itself. Okay. Um, another thing I want to bring up, I've, I've been asking all my guests about this, and I'm curious to know your thoughts. Um, so if my audience is, is burned out with this, I guess they'll have to listen to another rant on it. But saunas, infrared saunas, or just saunas in general, I know they're getting a lot of buzz now about detoxing. Um, one of my favorite things to do is sit in the sauna. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on incorporating those? Well, you know, we know from all the latest research that everyone in the United States is toxic. You know, the average American adult has somewhere between, depending on what studies you read, 122 to as many as, you know, six, 700 toxins in their system at any one time. Oh, and yeah. these, some, some of these are neurotoxins, some of these are endoc- endocrine disruptors. So they're basically messing up your brain and messing up your hormones and they cause cancer, heart disease, heart disease diabetes, everything, everything bad happens when you're toxic, let alone what's going on in your brain and your mitochondria, right? It's one of the major reasons why mitochondria are so damaged and we're so tired is because of our toxin exposure. Every baby born in the United States now has 50 to 70 toxins the day it's born. Okay, so this is everybody. This is not like I worked in a coal plant and or I was a biochemistry major and was in the lab every day. This is like every human being that has a mattress, drives a car, breathes and eats is toxic. So you can unavoidable. Just, yeah, it's completely unavoidable. It's getting worse every year and that's just something we have to deal with. So there's three exit routes for toxins. You can sweat them out. You can dump them out in the stool. And you can dump them out in the urine. So the number one thing to get rid of water-soluble toxins is just to make sure that you're very well hydrated and drinking a lot of water. Okay. You know, that, that's like basic. If you're not doing that, you might as well just jump off a bridge, okay? Because <laughs> you're going to be dead from toxin exposure at some point if you don't drink enough water. And, and, and for your water recommendation, wh- how much would someone be drinking? I mean, it depends on how healthy you want to be. You know, I drink at least three or four quarts a day. I weigh about 155, 160 Okay, is that about uh, half your body weight in ounces of water a day? Yeah, somewhere that in that ballpark, you know. Okay. Um, you don't have to drink that much every single day, but somewhere around half. Uh, that's the two general parameters. You can do half your body weight in ounces per day, or uh, at least you have to do is one completely clear urination a day. Hmm. Okay. Where the, your urine looks like water and there's no yellow in it. So you're clearing out everything. That's, so those are two, two different ways you can kind of look at it. Read a piece of paper under it, I've heard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. okay. So, um, and very few people are well are well hydrated in my experience. So that's number one. Then number two is you can uh, they come out in the stool, right? So good bowel movements, plenty of fiber, vegetables, all that kind of stuff. Make sure your gut's working well. And then the third exit route is through the skin through sweat, and hmm. um, it's incredibly effective way to get toxins out. And I think there have been sweat lodges. And people have had this idea of putting themselves in hot environments to sweat it out for, I don't know, at least 5,000 years that I know of. Yeah. I was at an Ayurvedic, Ayurvedic healing center a couple years ago, and that was one of the, the things that they did there. I mean, that's 5,000-year-old medicine, right? This is not a new idea. And so for now, for us, where you imagine how many toxins were in the environment 5,000 years ago versus today with the... Uh, tens of thousands of chemicals that we're all exposed to. Yeah. Um, saunas and sweating, hydration, and good digestion is just you know survival skills at this point in our culture. Great way to break it down. Have you seen anyone do um, like skin brushes or even gua sha? I know they have. It's, it's, uh, yeah. It's, it's, is gua sha where they use like a bullhead spoon and they rub oil on them and then they like pull out the actual toxin, kind of like they're squeezing their skin and you can, I saw this guy, Dr. Kassar doing it on YouTube and he had this towel that was white and then by the end of it, it was like brown. Yeah, I'm not sure of the name of it, but when I was at the Ayurvedic place, they did the oil pulling 
And then they did the oil massages too, where yeah. they get three guys in a room, like three big guys in the room, and they have like literally gallons of oil that they're rubbing into your skin. And they're basically trying to create a gradient where they're putting in, they're trying to flush, this is brilliant, they're trying to flush out fat soluble toxins by, huh. using, by using oil. And um, it was intense. It was a wonderful experience. So again, this stuff has been around for thousands of years. It's just now. I think it's going from like luxury to like requirement for survival. That's fascinating about the oil pulling because I've heard of that in your mouth, the thyroid medicine, and that your veins, capillaries, and your under your tongue sublingually. You can that's two ways, so you can put things in, you can pull things out, and uh, that's been used. But I've never heard of it on like a body or a skin. Just yeah, we did these every day. We had treatments in the morning and treatments in the afternoon, and we did the oil massages pretty much every day. It's an incredible experience. Um, Wow. Now, there's one other thing that I should mention because this ties back to what we were talking about earlier, which is that you have fat-soluble toxins and water-soluble toxins in the body. The water-soluble ones, not a big deal. I mean, they are a big deal, but you can pee them out if you're drinking enough water. The fat-soluble ones that we're talking about now that the Ayurvedic doctors figured out how to try to get rid of have to be broken down and made water-soluble before you can excrete them. Hmm. In order to break them down, you have to run what we call phase one, which is a cytochrome P450 pathway, and phase two on these toxins so you can flush them out. And to run phase one and phase two, you need to have antioxidants, B vitamins, and the last and very, very important element is these sulfur-containing compounds like um, N-acetylcysteine, taurine, methionine, these sulfur-containing amino acids. So that's what's required to bind up and get rid of t- fat-soluble toxins. Okay. If you don't have those nutrients, then they're, not, they're just going to stay in your tissue and build up. Okay. Um, personal question. I was talking to Wendy Myers. She was talking about heavy metal detoxification and uh, how that can cause a lot of brain fog and a lot of mental issues. Um, and she recommended two things. I was wondering if you've heard of them. She recommended Biosil. It's a, uh, it's like a, uh, they sell it at Whole Foods. It's a liquid form. I think it's a silicone mm-hmm. collagen generator um, and Pectisol C, which is a modified pectin starch. Do you know anything about either of those? I don't use those two exact products in my practice, but they're very similar uh, products that I use. The idea with detox is that you want to grab the toxin. Uh-huh. It, if it's fat soluble, you got to turn it into something that's water soluble, and then you got to dump it out of the tissue. Uh, and then, if it's going to be dumped out through the sweat or the urine, that's relatively easy to dump it out through the stool, which is where a lot of these toxins come out. You have to bind it up in the digestive tract so that it exits and doesn't get reabsorbed. So that's why you need fiber, okay? Right, as a binding agent. And there's other things that people use that are a little more complicated, but it could be like an apple pectin fiber or something like that that's going to allow the toxin to adhere to that object so that it gets pulled out in the stool. Otherwise, the toxin could get into the gut and then get reabsorbed and circulate back into your body. You want to avoid that. So that's what the pectin, uh, pectisol C is? It's, it's like a fiber that's going to pull it's a binding. It's a binding agent. Okay. So some kind of binding agent. And then have you um, heard of, of, of Biosil, that supplement? I've heard of it. I don't use it in my practice. Because I went in and bought it at the Whole Foods and the lady was like raving about it. She's like, oh, it's a miracle. Everyone's using it. And yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's uh, the, new, the new fad supplement. Um, well, there's a lot of ways to do this, and there's definitely trends that come and go every five years, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, tastes awful, by the way. But <laughs> Dr. Kalish, we're coming up um, on time here. I, I couple questions that I wrap things up with guests and, and get their opinion on. Um, first one is something you learned over the past year that you didn't know. What's been the biggest lesson? Oh, that's a really good question. What's the biggest lesson that would help other people? That's why we asked. I would say, yeah, I would say um, the role of of two things that are kind of combined. One is grief, and then the other is meditation. You know, so the role of grief. By that I mean how grief affects human beings and how it affects our health. Hmm. You know, is very one of the most toxic and devastating things to human health, I think, is the grieving process if we don't go through it properly. And then I think one of the ways that we can resolve that is through our spiritual understanding and meditation. And if you don't have a really spiritually grounded sense of yourself, then when someone around you dies, it's very easy to get thrown off and to start to get sick. And we see a large number of patients that come through my training program and the doctors that we work with whose initial health problem 
happened around a period of loss and grief, hmm. divorce, death, or death, or something like that. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's, oh, man, I love that question because nine times out of ten, it's always uh, it has nothing to do with like what we talked about for the first <laughs> yeah. thirty-five minutes, and it's great. It's like a curveball. Um, okay, so so another one then. Um, you're talking to Dan Kalish in his twenties, just starting life, just getting out into the real world. What advice would you give Dan Kalish, the twenty-year-old? Uh, that's a good idea. Uh, uh, I would say uh, number one, focus on human beings and don't worry about uh, money or career or your future or how things are going to go. And that if you build relationships and you focus on the people around you and taking care of yourself and being pretty physically healthy, that um, everything just works out. And that the bottom line in all of this, I believe, uh, yeah, I, I guess I believe, I kind of knew this. When I was 18 years old, I went to a, a, a Zen monastery in Japan. When I was 22, I went to a Thai Buddhist monastery. I kind of knew this in my teens and 20s, but I really get it now, hmm. which is that the real life that we lead is a spiritual life and that the things happening around us, like you're going to buy a house, you're going to get married, you're going to you know, you're going to get a job or get fired from a job. All that is not happening in the spiritual world, but it seems real. But the real reality is the spiritual reality. And that's where I, I attempt to live now full time. Hmm. Fascinating answer. You're killing it. Um, I'm curious on this one then, it, mm-hmm. it, that whole desert island game, you got five things to bring to a desert island. Um, but I'm curious, what would your one book be that you brought with you? If you could bring oh, one book. Oh, that's it. The Tao Te Ching. Yeah. I, okay. The Tao. Yeah, I read the Tao, the Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. I read that every day. 81 verses. Uh, pretty much everything you need to know in that book. Yeah. Awesome. And then the last thing, what have you changed your mind on since you started, uh, functional medicine diet is probably the biggest one you know really how so uh, absolutely absolutely because you know i'm i've been around for 25 30 years you know so i've i was here pre paleo mm-hmm. so i when i came on the scene gluten free was just starting um it was just, the low fat thing was just kind of coming to an end and then we got into metabolic typing and the zone diet and then people discovered fat is healthy, and then yeah. people discovered protein is healthy, and then people discovered meat is actually not bad, and maybe grains we should think about, you know. And then you go to like uh, these Ayurvedic doctors, and you might end up with a vegan diet, hmm. you know, with zero animal products at all zero, zero, zero animal products, no animal fat whatsoever. And so, I think I've probably changed my diet, my mind on diet like six or eight times, hmm. and now I realize that, you know, it's probably a reason why no one can really agree on this, you know, yeah. um, because it really just depends and there is no clear way to eat. And even for myself, like how I've eaten that's made me the healthiest is varied at different times of my life. And I have to eat quite a bit differently today than I did in my 20s or 30s in order to be super healthy. Dr. Kalish, thank you so much for coming on the show. That's our that's our time. It was, it flew Appreciate by. It. Flew by. I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal show as always. Um, Kalish Wellness is the best place to find you. Is that it? Yeah, kalishwellness.com. Yep. Okay, and then your book, The Kalish Method, um, is that still your most recent book that people can pick up? Yeah, The Kalish Method. Uh, I wrote another book recently, but it's more for doctors who are building their practices. So it's probably only of interest to the What's practitioners that? out there. What's that one called? Um, that's a five pillars to building a successful functional medicine practice. Okay. So any practitioners would be happy to send them a, a free copy of that book. We have that online. We can send them a PDF. Cool. All right. Dr. Kalish, thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome back anytime. Appreciate your time. Thanks. Dr. Dan Kalish, everybody. Phenomenal show. Definitely ranks in my top five this year so far of 2016. I don't say that because the other ones aren't aren't good. It's like choosing from children. You always hear me say that. Um, but some resonate with where you're at more. And I think I've been very open that I've had brain fog and been trying to fix it. And it's gotten so much better just through going strict low carb. Um, you know, we're talking under... 50 grams a day, low carb for the past couple weeks. Uh, slipped up here and there a few times, but uh, that's made a tremendous difference. That and getting eight hours of sleep. 
I got a Fitbit Charge HR, the one that tracks your sleep, your steps, and your heart rate. I think it was like 150 bucks. Got one for my girlfriend for her birthday too. I loved it so much. And this thing, guys, has been amazing. I don't know if you have one, uh, whatever one you have, or some sort of tracker, but I was using my phone for a year, and I liked having all that data, but I was ready to take it up a notch. And so I got the Fitbit Charge HR, and um, seeing your sleep is so, so, so important. It tracks your restlessness, the time taken to fall asleep, post-sleep, and it keeps you really honest when you have all this data in front of you. Oh, I'm only getting 3,000 steps a day, not 10. I mean, that's time to step it up. Or, oh, I'm actually, I think I'm getting eight hours, but I'm sitting there checking my phone for 30 minutes before I go to bed or whatever we're doing, and I don't go to bed, and then when I do, I'm less, I'm more restless, so I actually get six hours of sleep. So knowing this information and giving it some sort of quantification is a really cool way I've found in the last month or two to improve my health. Anyway, off the soapbox, you know I go on my soapbox rants. This week's review, if you want to get on this, just head over to our iTunes page, leave us a rating and a review. It takes three seconds, helps a lot, and you get featured on the cool segment like this. Let's go to Bethany Lynn. Um, Thank you for your review, Bethany. Uh, it says my daily commute podcast favorite. So happy commute, Bethany. I hope hope works going well. Um, thanks for your view. Let me read it. I've been a part of the Paleo community for five years and have followed PaleoHacks website, but only recently discovered the podcast. Clark is a wonderful host. He asks great, insightful questions. Is also just all around fun to listen to, as well as being very well spoken himself. Why, thank you, Bethany. Yes, I am. I love the variety of guests. I have learned so many new things and life advice and health hacks. It's very inspirational podcast, and I like that it includes many perspectives and guests from all areas in the health field and community. I feel like my own qual- personal quality of life has been improved by listening to all the great life coaching and ideas from the guests in this podcast. Keep up the great work. Bethany, thank you so much for that kind, thoughtful a well-written review, really means a lot. Again, happy commute. And um, I'll say this, I say this every episode, but the show's not about me or my hosting skills. It's about the guest and it's about you guys. It's about getting the information from the guests who have years of experience and knowledge like Dan Kalish and thousands of people he's practiced on and finding out how we can apply it in our lives for free on the show. That's the mission, all right? Um, so if you want to support the show, the best way to do that probably is to go over to the iTunes page, leave a rating and a review, uh, really helps us out. So thanks for that. That's it for this week's show. Um, we'll see you next week before we go archives at paleohacks.com. Best place to go. Check out the recipes. Make sure you like the Facebook page, get the updates from that. A really good place to go. If you want to get a hold of me, Clark at clarkdanger.com. If you go over there, I have the 11 questions, change your life free ebook. These are the best 11 questions I've ever asked myself or the people I work with. And I've compiled them into a short, quick, free little workbook. I don't like saying workbook. Does that sound too harsh? Guide that you can ask yourself. Um, So that's over there at ClarkDanger.com. All right, that's it. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much.